Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Support for MPB comes from the Woodward Hines Education Foundation. Committed to helping more Mississippians obtain post-secondary credentials, college certificates, and degrees that lead to employment. More information about Woodward Hines Education Foundation at woodwardhines.org. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Wednesday, October 4th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, hear from supporters of racial reconciliation in the state. Find out why they say building relationships is more effective than attacking divisive issues. If every citizen builds a relationship with another person of, of the different race, then one relationship at a time would change the state overnight. Then the State Department of Health says it's working to keep your fair food safe why officials are taking extra precautions this year. And some Mississippi students are taught very little about the civil rights movement, even though it's a requirement. Details on how one report says education is lacking in the state where much of the history took place. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Attempts to foster positive relationships among diverse races are being highlighted in Mississippi. Governor Phil Bryant has declared October as Racial Reconciliation Month in the state. The proclamation is a good sign for groups like Mission Mississippi. The group is working on racial reconciliation through building relationships rather than tackling big issues like Confederate imagery and athlete protests. They say the one-on-one approach is a contributing factor in their nearly 25 years of service. Members of Mission Mississippi gathered at the governor's mansion in downtown Jackson yesterday for an annual prayer breakfast. Bob Ridgway serves as the, uh, serves on the board of Mission Mississippi and tells MPB's Ezra Wall about the work of the organization in communities across the state. Mission Mississippi is uh, has evolved from its inception to uh, be an entity that works on one relationship at a time. We don't go after big uh, issues. Uh, that divides people. What we're doing is trying to make so that people can get to know each other and say that, you know, you have children just like I do, you have parents just like, you have problems just like I do, and together we can work toward making things as they should be. How did you get to be involved with Mission Mississippi? Uh, I'm a member of Galloway Methodist Church, and we were a part of the first meetings, and so I was I was uh, blessed to be able to go to that and uh, don't want to get away. It's been a great journey. That's been over 20 years ago uh, now, and you've been there from the beginning. Probably 25 years, yes. There's a number of people that have been there that long uh, because it's such a good thing to do. Uh, It likely will be the only way we'll get peace among uh, races in, in Mississippi is to get them to know each other. You can't do that in a crowd we got to get people understanding uh, that everyone has worth and everyone should be uh, able to discuss what's there. 
And so uh, if we ever get to that point, then instead of throwing rocks at each other or doing whatever else, we're going to sit down and say, this is not right. We need to do this. We need to do this. But we got to get the core uh, issue is one-on-one is to have people understand, know, know each other. Working from the foundation that you've laid over the last 25 years, how can Mission Mississippi work to get into those areas where some of the racial ideas that have divided us in the past are, are more firmly entrenched? The idea of Mission Mississippi is spread all over the state of Mississippi, and Nettie has been asked to come and has gone all over the country uh, saying, what is this Mission Mississippi thing? What Can we have some of it? And, and of course, he's just real willing to share that. But uh, we go into communities all throughout the state just to get people to be able to sit down and not come there uh, at odds with each other when they meet. Mr. Ridgway, thank you very much. Great, thank you. Nettie Winters is president of Mission Mississippi. He tells MPB's Ezra Wall significant progress has been made over the past 25 years. Progress is sometime in the eye of the beholder. Progress for me is that we're now in environments that is safe to deal with issues and talk about them and build relationships. And so we have the opportunity and privilege in Mississippi and in America today to see the results and see the fruit of Mississippi. Where, you know, 20, 25 years ago, Number one, we probably wouldn't be here praying. Number two is that people are now wanting and desiring to do this, to deal with race, to understand each other, to listen to each other, and do what we can to work together. Uh, Those stories don't get published on the front page or or in the news all the time. You know, when somebody does something crazy like in in, 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 uh, Las Vegas, that get published. Other things like that. But what doesn't get published, there's a quiet movement that Mission Mississippi started 25-plus years ago, and that movement has continued to grow. And there are other states that are calling saying, you know, we want to know what the best practices are. You guys have been at this for a while. Imagine that. Another state in the United States is calling Mississippi and said, we want your best practices as it relates to race relations. So for me, to be able to do what we're doing is progress. And so, you know, a lot of people say, you know, how do you measure it? We measure the number of people that participate in what we do. We measure that the atmosphere and the climate has changed. I can't measure your heart, but I can measure whether or not you will show up and participate and be a part of trying to make things better. How long have you been involved with the organization? I became involved with Mission Mississippi in the early years. In 1992, we began to meet and pray and talk yeah. about what we can do. And because that moved into a formal organization in, in 1993. But as part of that, I remember... When I was sitting at Primo's Northgate listening to Tom Skinner and Pat Morley talk about their relationship and how uh, they were willing to risk their lives for one another. Me being from Tunica, Mississippi, and, and uh, in the year 19, I think it was 92, I'm almost sure it was, to hear a black man and a white man embrace each other with camaraderie. And, and, and you could see that the friendship and the relationship was strong. And, and hear them talking about they were willing to die for one another, that changed something in me. And from that point forward, I've been committed to being a part of doing what I can individually and with others together to change race relations in Mississippi. And I think we've made tremendous progress. Even though people don't give us credit for, for things that are happening, but we set the atmosphere, we set the climate. Uh, when I was growing up in the Mississippi Delta, 
uh, we would see what they call clearing new ground. And what they would do is go in the year before that they wanted to, to plant or, or put something on that ground. They'd go in and they'd move the stumps and rocks and bulldoze stuff out of the way and work on it. And they cleared all of it out. And they made way for the next year uh, planting season in the spring. Then they go in and plant and you see a beautiful crop come up. And you never known those trees and stumps and gullies and things was in there because of that preparation. I see Mission Mississippi as being part of setting the, the stump clearing, clearing the ground and clearing the way, pioneering the way for people to do the thing they're doing now. Can you think of, uh, just offhand of a, of, of a Mission Mississippi uh, success or, or some, somebody, an example of somebody who's, whose relationship with another person or with, with someone of another race has been affected by the work that you are doing? Yeah, um, I know that Thomas Jenkins, the, the pastor that prayed, I've heard him talk about being raised in Rankin County and, and how he experienced racism and, and all the stuff of that and how Mission Mississippi helped him to let go of his hatred and anger. Uh, Cynthia Cooper, a member of our board, I've seen her change the way she does things in inner cities and other things and that how she goes and speak and do those things that have changed the way she's doing that. Now, uh, up in Greenville, Mississippi, I understand that uh, the last two, before the current mayor was elected, there was two predecessors was white, and they were Republicans, and they were involved in Mission, Mississippi. And you got a predominant black city where they've elected those people, and they contribute that to what Mission, Mississippi has done over the years. So there are, there are many instances where individual relationships happen. But let me say this about this one relationship at a time. The one relationship at a time is, is, is saying that if every citizen build a relationship with another person of, of the different race, then one relationship at a time would change overnight, change the state overnight. And so we're not talking about one time, one time. We're talking about everyone taking an effort and energy to build that relationship. And so what, what, what has happened is, is that people are building those relationships. You know, for me personally, I've seen my family connected with uh, other races that otherwise wouldn't have been connected with. I've seen them navigate through things because uh, I, I set a tone and an atmosphere and a climate for my family to grow uh, d- diversity-wise as well as culture-wise and otherwise and, and become part of their DNA. So there's stories after stories in this city and across the state where people have connected together and as a result of their relationship, business has been established together, uh, other things have happened that changed how Miss, uh, Mississippi does business, in fact. Nettie Winters, thank you. Thank you. If you're looking for more information on events during Racial Reconciliation Month, visit missionmississippi.org. Coming up, the State Department of Health says it's working to keep your fair food safe while officials are taking extra precautions this year. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hi, I'm Dr. Rick DeShazo, professor of medicine and pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center, and this is a Southern Remedy Health Minute. Stomach ache in adults is pain in the upper part of your belly. There are many causes, reflux, viral infections and the like, or in some instances, something more severe like stomach ulcer or even a heart attack. When do you need to seek medical help for a stomach ache? Like all other symptoms, you need to know the alarm signs that help answer that question. For stomach ache, these include blood and bowel movements or bloody vomiting, 
pain that is severe and lasts more than an hour, or pain that is less severe and lingers for more than 24 hours, an inability to eat or drink for hours, a fever higher than 102, or if the pain just keeps coming back. To lower your chances of getting a stomach ache, avoid overindulging in fatty foods such as red meat, butter, cheese, and fried foods. Never eat until you feel stuffed and avoid the foods that provoke your symptoms. For more health tips and medical information, listen for Southern Remedy each weekday at 11, where the doctors are always in. For MPB Think Radio, I'm Dr. Rick DeShazo. The Health Minute is underwritten by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Mississippi. Live healthy, live blue. It's good to be blue. On the next Fresh Air. He's too ugly to be the world champ. The world champ should be pretty like me. We take a new look at Muhammad Ali with Jonathan Eig, author of a new biography of the boxer. The book chronicles Ali's toughest bouts and his sometimes chaotic personal life. Eig is also the author of best-selling books about Al Capone, Jackie Robinson, and the birth of the pill. Join us. Today at 3 on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. State inspectors are out in full force working to prevent food poisoning at this year's Mississippi State Fair. Vendors from across the state and beyond will spend 12 days offering all the lemonade, roasted corn, funnel cakes, and fried Oreos the public can consume. It may not be healthy, but environmental environmentalist Ann Hogue of the State Department of Health says it will be safe. We have been inspecting food booths because that is part of our job. We inspect every booth on the facility before the fair opens. Um, if they don't have a little sticker, they cannot open. Um, This shows that they are compliant. Now, that doesn't mean that they will stay compliant because with all food establishments, even the ones we check all year round, sometimes they have a problem. So if you see while you're eating something that does not look right to you, don't eat there. I mean, you've got to take care of yourself. But please report them. You can call 601-576-7689. Or you can send um, food at healthyms.com. We have a website. Or you can just go to www.healthyms.com and file a complaint. Um, we check for temperatures in refrigerators. You want to keep hot food hot and cold food cold. You want to cook food to the proper temperature. It's very important. Kind of halfway warm food is growing bacteria. 90 to nothing. 2 becomes 4 becomes 8 becomes 16. Mighty quick. And so you do not want to eat food that is not hot. Um, also, we have we check to be sure people are washing their hands. That's the one thing that people can do to protect you from foodborne illness, and it only costs a few cents every time you do it. Um, we're going to be checking for dishwashing as well. Uh, they have to wash the utensils. They have to wash the pots and pans. They have to wash whatever goes in your mouth if, if it's not disposable. Um, If you have any problems, any questions, be sure to call the 576-7689 number. That's a 601 area code. Or go online and let us know what's going on at the Mississippi State Fair. The whole point is to have fun, not to get sick. Hogue says booth operators located in and outside the gate cannot operate without permits. 
When we make the initial inspection, sometimes they don't pass the first time, we will have a chance to educate them as to Mississippi state law, what we are looking for, what we expect from them, and we will then come back and inspect. If they are not able to pass the inspection ultimately, then they cannot operate at the fair and they do have to leave. Also, we sometimes have people who set up at the gates of the fair or set up close to the fair and they do not have permits. If you see people doing this and they don't have the little state of Mississippi, give us a call and let us know. When it comes to inspections, Hoke says there are levels based on the type of food or beverages being prepared. We do a risk level one, risk level two, and risk level three inspection. Risk level one is like lemonade, very low risk. Risk level three would be sometimes we've actually had sushi vendors at the fair, and they would need to be inspected more often. And so if you're risk level three, you're guaranteed three inspections while you're here, the 14 days you're here. Unless we get a complaint, then you may get more. So we are here the whole time walking around and checking. Cleanliness and knowledge are factors Hogue says inspectors consider. Well, first and foremost, we are making sure that you have the facilities you need. You have some way to keep the food hot, some way to keep the food cold, some way to prepare the food properly. We also look for a hand-washing lavatory because you can't cook food if you have dirty hands and a way to wash your dishes. A three-compartment sink is the most common way that we do that. Um, We're also going to look for knowledge. We ask the vendors questions about how they fix the food, how they prepare the food, and that sort of thing. So we look for that as well. The more intricate the preparation, the more intricate we make an inspection. Hogue says the inspection staff is smaller but well-trained. Our inspectors are the regular inspectors who inspect in Jackson and the surrounding 30 counties all the time. And so they have had training, both college training and also they've had ORAU training. They've had specific training to make them able to be a food inspector. You're dealing with the best of the best of the inspectors here. We have the same number of people inspecting food here as we've always had. It's a rush. You've got to get it all done in two days, basically, and then you have to monitor. We we have had smaller staff, but we have better trained staff, and we have staff that's working really, really hard. And so you are still getting a quality inspection, and you are still getting quality food in the state of Mississippi. Ann Hogue, environmentalist with the State Department of Health. The State Fair starts today. It runs through October 15th. Coming up, some Mississippi students are taught very little about the civil rights movement, even though it's a requirement. Details on how one report says education is lacking in the state where much of the history took place. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. An evening of jazz can be just what the doctor ordered. Join me, Meredith Michelle with WJSU's Evening Jazz, 7 to 10 weeknights on MPB Music Radio. Hi, I'm Wills Cotrer, the IT guy around here, and I know firsthand that everybody needs a little help from time to time dealing with the fast-paced world of technology. Wilts, I couldn't agree more. I'm Jeremy Thompson, the computer doctor and phone surgeon. As the weekly host of Everyday Tech, it's our job to make it easier for you to keep up with the latest, greatest, or smallest technologies. The way it works is... You give us a call, and we'll give you some answers. Hopefully Hopefully the the right right ones. That's Everyday Tech, this morning at 10 on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. 
Students in Mississippi are uneducated when it comes to knowledge about the state's civil rights movement. An analysis by the Heckinger Report and Reveal from the Center for Investigative Reporting shows public school textbooks in the state are outdated and minimize civil rights history. The textbook used by most districts was published in 2005, and only five of 100 pages are devoted to the civil rights struggle. Sierra Manny conducted the research at a Reveal investigate as a Reveal investigative fellow. She tells us she's found it up to each district or teacher to fill the gaps. Mississippi is super locally controlled. MDE has sort of a hands-off role when it comes to districts choosing textbooks. And also, it's just really layered. So say your district has an idea, but then like at the individual school level, your principal says, okay, this is what we're doing. And then, of course, when you get inside the classroom, there could be a huge disconnect between what teachers are communicating to students and what they're telling like their principals. And basically, there's not really any surefire way of knowing if a student is going to come out of the classroom knowing this integral part of American history. Now, you've mentioned MDE twice. Are you suggesting that MDE is trying to squash civil rights education? Not at all. I, in my talking to MDE, have felt them to be very interested in Mississippi students' intellectualism um, has been my view of them and in their actions. But I really just Mississippi is just locally controlled. And so it really is up to your teacher at the end of the day, like whether or not you end up going home knowing about the subject matter. I do think that MDU sort of hand off, hands off role in textbooks. I'm not entirely sure what to make of it. I don't know if MDE having a more hands-on role in schools and districts using their textbooks would alleviate some of their pressures to teach better about the civil rights movement or not, because it also gets down to, I feel like, the whole country or not quite understanding the civil rights movement, because <laughs> talking about race is something that a lot of people have a lot of problems doing. Um, I don't feel like civil discourse lately makes talking about race something that's, you know, it's a necessary Not awkward. Thing. Yeah, not awkward, basically. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't think MDE at all is trying to get the civil rights movement kicked out of classrooms or anything like that, or that they aren't invested or don't care. They... In this textbook, Mississippi, the Magnolia State, what mm-hmm. are some of the misrepresentations of the civil rights history? It's sort of summarized. And the civil rights movement needs context. In talking to Deborah Mankart with Teaching for Change, who is also a program that's super invested in students learning about more inclusive histories, especially in the context of the country. Basically, I don't feel like the book, first of all, talks about institutional racism. And I definitely feel that in the way that they speak about people who uphold these institutions, like old Mississippi governors, like Theodore Bilbo um, is not a moderate, a moderate, (laughs) you know, there are people who are just, there were virulent white supremacists and it's okay to say that. Um, It's the truth about what they were. The analysis was done. Mm -hmm. What is, does the fault lie with, well, who, who does the fault lie with? Is it, is it one entity? The fault lies with, you know, there's always been a vested interest in the United States of America and to keep um, a particular structure of things, I honestly think. And so 
that attitude towards race and that attitude towards marginalized people bleeds into the way that we educate young people. And so I think this whole culture that we have in the United States, um, especially now that I feel is anti-intellectual, <laughs> um, I really do think that that's mostly what's responsible for, I guess, people not taking it as seriously as they should. Sierra Manny is a fellow with Reveal with the Center for Investigative Reporting, and the Heckinger Report also involved in the presentation or the work of this analysis. So, Sierra, thank you very much for, for being with us and, and laying out all of this for us. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me. It wasn't until 2011 when Mississippi required public school students to learn about the civil rights movement. Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for a full slate of Mississippi-based programs all morning long. Coming up at 9 o'clock, it's Fix It 101. At 10, it's Everyday Tech. And at 11 o'clock, stay tuned for Southern Remedy. If you missed part of the show today, find past episodes of this and other Think Radio programs online at mpbonline.org or by downloading the MPB Public Media app from the Apple or Google Play stores. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again tomorrow morning at 830 for the next Mississippi edition, only on MPB Think Radio. Support for MPB comes from Mississippi State University's Center for Distance Education, providing online programs and certification at the graduate and undergraduate levels. Distance at State, even there you're here. More information at distance.msstate.edu.